At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Check your feelings at the door. Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? We're bringing you facts and only the truth. Now, Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson. And this is Reister or Wrong, the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. And we have a gift today on the Right or Wrong podcast. It is Ross Greenberg, former president at HBO Sports and Ross Greenberg Productions. This man has created. Let me take a deep breath. <sighs> Real sports. 24-7 boxing series, hard knocks, road to the NHL winter classic, a season with Florida State, the Lawrence Phillips story, perfect in 76, against the tide, uh, the forgotten four, Dwight, Dwight Howard in the moment, Jack Nicholas, the making of a champion, Dean Smith, 
and movies like 61. This is the man that is behind them. And we have a gift today. Ross, thank you for coming on the show. Well, it's my pleasure, George. Great to be with you today. Uh, first thing is, I guess, how did you get into this line of business? Because <laughs> for so long, I mean, like if you go back to the 80s, there there wasn't like necessarily this storytelling, you know, um, right. medium available for, for sports. But then it turns out that there are so many compelling stories that are even outside of the actual game itself. So how did you get into that part of it? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I grew up in the 70s. I was close friends with uh, Kyle Gifford in the 60s and 70s. I was close friends with Kyle Gifford, who was Frank Gifford's son. We played football together from third grade on. And I got to know Frank really well. as almost like a second father. And I was exposed to ABC Sports at a real young age. And there you had Rude Arledge, who was doing his best to be a storyteller uh, in a different time period, but he's the one that brought sports to a different level. And, you know, I used to watch all of Steve Sable's works uh, at NFL Films because he was putting microphones on the great Vince Lombardi or Dick Butkus, and that's how I grew up. I grew up as one of those weird kids that would watch uh, – you know, a game and, and put myself in the mind's eye of, of the players that were winning championships. And I'd start getting a tear in my eye, knowing the dedication and the work they put into it. So, you know, when I got out of college, my first uh, trip was to do a, a baseball game in Cincinnati. I drove out for, I think, $125 for the weekend. Uh, and I started just freelancing for ABC sports for like 10 months and did the 77 world series, which was Reggie's three home runs in the sixth game. And, you know, was part of some pretty special moments right off the bat. And then was looking for a job because I didn't get a staff job at ABC sports. Um, and so I found HBO and I just rode that wave. And I think I contributed in, uh, in putting together a pretty special sports department at HBO. And I think, um, you know, I, I created, as you said, quite a few of those kinds of shows to suit my needs, which was to look for a different way of expressing ourselves as a sports department because we weren't going to compete for NFL football or NBA basketball. We had to find a different way to go. It, it, it seems like the greatest inventions come out of personal need. And like uh -huh. when 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 somebody's like, well, I had a void in my life that I wanted to fill. And it turns out that other people needed it or wanted it as well. Is that what happened in your life? I think so. Um, you know, I had a real craving for documentaries and filmmaking uh, at an early age. And, and I was really taken with the stories that came out of the backdrop of sports. Um, and so the moments that I witnessed, whether it's the 80 hockey team, uh, you know, representing the United States and winning that miraculous gold medal or the women in 1999 beating China in front of 93,000 people in the Rose Bowl and pioneering a new era in women's sports, you know, all those moments meant a lot to me personally. And I wanted to tell those compelling stories 
and give people an understanding of how these things evolved and how meaningful they were. Uh, and then, you know, I just finished one. I mean, I lived through the events of 9-11. My mom passed away on September 9th, 2001, and found myself in Yankee Stadium in game three with Bush walking out to the mound and uh, kind of signaling, hey, I'm not afraid, so don't you be afraid. And I actually went into the office the next morning and I basically brought Joe Levine and Rick Bernstein in my office and I said, hey guys, I don't know when, but I just lived a documentary last night. Uh, so we're going to do a documentary down the road. Well, needless to, that, to say, we did one a couple years later at HBO and then 16 years later, I did one uh, for HBO Max that aired last Saturday. So it's it's been a fun road to kind of take my own personal experiences and kind of give them to the American public. Yeah, so you directed Extra Innings from 9-11 mm -hmm. 20 years later, which is mm -hmm. the full-length documentary on HBO Max about the events of 9-11 and basically how the, the Mets and the Yankees kind of helped mm -hmm. heal the city, but also heal themselves at the same time. So you said that you were there, but like, okay, so how do you go from the point of, you know, your, your, your mother passing away a couple days prior and then being there and then saying, wait, hold up. How do we make this into a documentary that's going to be ready for, you know, 20 years later? I always like to think of myself as a head coach. So, you know, I got a call from Sandy Montag, uh, who's a dear friend. And he said, would you like to produce direct a film, which ended up being called X Rainings from 9-0 on baseball's healing process after 9-11? And he had enlisted Joe Torrey and, uh, and Bobby Valentine as executive producers. And I told him, I have some people in mind that I will get, Matt O'Connor to edit and Joe Levine to be my co-producer director who helped me do Nine Innings from Ground Zero 16 years earlier. And, uh, and so I enlisted a team and then you start to shape the creative of what you want to do. And so we decided, Joe Levine and I decided early on that we wanted to reconnect with some of the people we had met 16 years ago who had family members that passed away. And we wanted to update their stories, you know, 20 years after the, after the event, because uh, we kept in touch with quite a few of them. And then we found some new people that we wanted to go after, uh, to tell their personal stories and their connection between their loved ones who was lost and and the events of uh, what was going on at Shea Stadium and Yankee Stadium and with the Mets and Yankees. So beyond that, we also wanted to relive those magical moments of, you know, Tino's home run, Derek's home run, and uh, Brocious's home run and Piazza's home run. And we wanted to kind of enlist the outliers and, you know, the, uh, the Bernie Williams of the world, uh, and the John Franco's who, who no one was more tied to New York Mets and New York than, uh, than John Franco. So gathered all those people together and had Bobby and Joe guide us through the entire story from beginning, middle and end. And lo and behold, we had ourselves a hell of a doc, which I recommend everyone to watch. I'm getting so many responses. Yes. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's a lot of it's it a was, lot of heart, and it's a lot of tears, but it's also a lot of hope and joy. 
so for so for me as a kid, I was at the University of Oregon on September 11th, 2001, and my mom called me and said, George, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. And mind you, at that point, I had never been to to New York. I'd only seen pictures of the skyline. I, I went, mm-hmm. went to New York maybe like 2003 or 2004 after to see the, the devastation. But it was like this documentary and others have just shaped you know, my thoughts about the the things that were going on there that I had no clue about because I was, you know, 19 years old at the at the time and didn't understand fully everything. But one of the things that stuck that stuck out in the documentary was the thing with the hats where mm-hmm. where the M- MLB didn't want the uh the Yankees or the Mets to 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 wear the FDNY or the NYPD hats mm-hmm. and the players were like we don't care and i think that those <laughs> are the kinds of moments in life it, it it's almost like John Lewis good trouble right 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 i mean and you know it, it was so obvious that because of the way that happened Bobby V in the documentary points out that one of the firemen kind of wanted to trade Mets hats for his FDNY hat. And he said, well, you guys wear this, you know, uh, with the thoughts going out to my friend who passed away by going into the towers to try to save people. And Bobby said, of course, we'll wear it. And so with that as a backdrop, I think if Major League Baseball had known that, that these firemen had reached out to the Mets in order to try to get them to wear the hats in honor of their, you know, uh, comrades who had lost their lives, then maybe Major League Baseball wouldn't have taken such a stern stand. But, but you know, in retrospect, uh, the players did what they did, and, of course, they weren't punished for it. Um, and, you know, what I was, I was smiling last Saturday because I tuned in a little bit to the Mets and Yankee game commemorating the, the date of 9-11, and they were all wearing the hats. And so I had a big smile on my face that all these years later, you know, baseball got it right. And they were all wearing the NYPD hats. Yeah. And one of the things that always strikes me as like, I, I believe sometimes in in destiny and sports and and, you know, it kind of like last year where Kobe died and then the Lakers go win a championship. And there are other times like, like that when you were watching that 2001 world series between the Yankees and the uh, Arizona diamondbacks, did you think that they were going to win that series just because of the moment? Yeah. Well, you know, I was at game three, as I said, and then I was home. And then I said, we were, I'm living a documentary, and then game four and five happened. And so after game five, and we talk about it in the film, it just felt like destiny that the Yankees can't lose this series. Of course, they get walloped in game six and uh, and have to play game seven for all the marbles. And you got Mariano Rivera coming in in the eighth and ninth. And it's like, wow, this is really going to happen after the Soriano home run. So it felt like it was destiny. And then it just slipped away. But, you know, a lot of people have asked me, did that take away from the storybook ending? But in fact, it didn't because games three, four and five in New York is all that really mattered 
to New Yorkers at that moment. That those kinds of miracles and moments in those three games at Yankee Stadium was all that was necessary. And Bernie Williams said it in the documentary as well that you know he was never prouder as a, an athlete, as a professional athlete, than he was in that World Series run uh, as a New York Yankee uh, because of the meaning that they had in bringing people back to a sense of normalcy. So uh, at the end of the day, yeah, it was probably destiny that they win, but it didn't really matter. And we're on with Ross Greenberg, former president at HBO Sports and the man that has created so many of the stories that you love to watch 24-7, uh, real sports and so many others. And you have had a hand in my favorite sports show, which is Real Sports. And mm-hmm. I have always wondered, you know, how how do you find these stories like when real store when real sports was going to go be created how did you know where to go find stories because it seems like there is an infinite number of stories and i love the fact that you get a chance to understand the the people behind these sports and sometimes some of the unsung heroes or some of the un you know like the tragedies that you would have never heard about yeah, I you know, in 1994, I, I actually wrote on a legal pad uh, and then actually typed it out, uh, the idea for Real Sports is a television show. And obviously influenced by 60 Minutes and Don Hewitt, I, I kind of looked at that as a prototype. And then I had three categories of stories that I put on that piece of paper. One would be profile, and the first person I thought of at the time was Dennis Rodman, and he, in fact, was the profile of the first show. Another was going to be a kind of investigative uh, piece, and, you know, Frank DeFord and I thought of doing something on the Masters and Augusta, an investigative piece on, on their, you know, past of racial injustice uh, at the tournament, and so we did that piece. And then the third was the strike had just uh, been uh, completed with Major League Baseball. And so we focused on an issue-oriented story, uh, because that was my other category, and that was the baseball strike. So from there, using that as a prototype, we just marched on and continued to dig for unique, compelling stories all along the way. And we had a wonderful group of uh, producers and associate producers and production assistants who who would constantly come up with ideas for stories. They'd comb newspapers for stories that hadn't been told. They'd, they'd just look for them. And over time, it got a little easier because stories came to us. Uh, you know, they would raise their hand and say, hey, how about me? They'd call up and alert us to a compelling story. So, you know, you always wanted to be a little bit high profile in order to attract people, but you you also had these compelling stories that surfaced or that you would surface uh, that were worth telling. I was just in my mind thinking of one about this family that decided that their kid uh, had special needs and, and, you know, severe disabilities, and he loved baseball, and so yes. they built... They built in their community their first uh, baseball uh, stadium, or not stadium, but little stadium for like a little league stadium for disabled kids. 
and they formed a team and they started playing games and then we aired our piece and lo and behold major league baseball got behind their organization and uh funded like hundreds of those little stadiums all over the country for disabled kids and for special olympics and bingo i mean when you hear those kinds of stories coming out of a piece that we did for real sports that's what fills your heart so yeah and 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 before i get you out of here ross uh, another series that i have enjoyed a lot is the 24 7 series as Mm -hmm. as it relates to boxing and where you take the behind the scenes look you see the training camps and Mm -hmm. all of that number number one was it easy to get the boxers to agree to this and did you realize that the impact that it would have on potentially pay-per-view sales and the you know and the stars of boxing well, Chris Albrecht, who was running HBO at the time, we had come up with the idea. I think a PA had actually thought of it. You know, we had done Hard Knocks starting in 2000. So uh, Steve Sable and I and a guy named Marty Colner kind of created that show uh, as the first all-access reality show for sports. And so that was sitting there, and we were doing that on a yearly basis. And then the idea was, oh, hey, what if we follow two boxers going into a major pay-per-view event? Um, and and we kind of went behind the scenes and showed how the two of them prepared weekly for a fight and turned around those in six days or whatever and showed them weekly for three days prior to the fight and three weeks prior to the fight. And so that's what we set out to do. It was for De La Hoya and Mayweather, which mm-hmm. we knew was a which we knew that was a big event and that uh Chris Albrecht said, Hey, if you're gonna do it, do it when there's a big event. So we did it and lo and behold I think the top gro- the top uh grossing fight up to that point was about one point four million buys. And so we did that show and it lit up all across America and brought a lot of younger demos in. And bang, we did like two and a half million subs uh, and for that pay-per-view event. And we knew we had a major television hit on our hand with 24-7. And then from there, I started branching out and looking for other avenues, whether it be NASCAR or the NHL uh, or other places. And then indeed, when I left HBO, college football was sitting there uh ncaa basketball sitting there so you you got you go in you have to gain the trust of the people that you're going into showcase but you also have to know how to storytell and jump on big stories that are evolving and do it in a dramatic important way and that's you know so now you see this plethora of everyone going in and shooting and doing these kinds of shows some better than others because you have to have an instinctive understanding of how to tell a deep-seated story. Yeah, and that show, I think, because I'm a huge boxing fan, I think that Mm. that show, 24-7, actually helped create uh, Floyd Mayweather and what he has become. I think that that was, you know, like gasoline on the fire mm-hmm. of of his greatness, and then people could appreciate the way he worked. And I think that that has probably been the most important thing to his career, uh, aside from oh, winning fights, of no, course. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, he was known as a decent fighter, but his character and personality was unknown. And, you know, we kind of knew he had that in him, but not to that degree. When he started flying those dollar bills all over the gym uh, and acting a little bit off, um, having the difficulties with his dad, if you remember, all yep. of that, all of that was unbelievable television. And he, it, it, it was perfect for Floyd Mayweather because he was like this bottled up energy that, that was now being released to the American public. And yeah, I mean, he became a very controversial figure because he was, you know, had some difficulties uh, down the road, ended up getting severely punished for some of his domestic violence difficulties. But, uh, but indeed, he had an unbelievable personality. Uh, and we uh, we just took him out of the bottle and showcased him. And so and he would be the first to say uh, he actually, you know, likes to think that he invented the show. Um, yeah, and do you do, do you know what is funny? I, I heard that. I didn't want to bring it. I heard that because I've had a chance to spend some time with, with Floyd and I heard yeah. that. And I was like, but then talking to you, I, I should have asked you specifically about it. But I did hear that, though. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> let's see if we get the real story. Yeah, no, we invented it, but he took it. He took it and ran with it to another level. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been it may have come and gone if it not for Floyd Mayweather. Um, but he didn't invent, he invented it being the spectacular, you know, showcase that it became. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he didn't invent the actual show. God bless it. (laughs) Um, a couple, um, like there are some moments that you guys have covered, like the Lawrence Phillips story, uh, perfect in 76 the mm-hmm. um jack nicholas and dean mm-hmm. smith what is that like covering your your heroes or making movies like 61 oh my god well you're naming some pretty special docu so first of all 61 was close to my heart because i spent a day with mickey mantle in like 95 four right before he died and I was going to do a, a film, a feature on him, and couldn't write, make it happen at HBO. And then all of a sudden, a guy named Colin Callender puts the script for 61, the treatment, on my desk and says, what do you think of this story? And I just flipped out at how perfect it was. Uh, Mickey had died. Um, and so I contacted Billy Crystal, who I had first contacted when, when Mickey uh, was in my mind, and he immediately agreed to partner as a co-executive producer with me. And then it took me about a year, but I convinced him to direct the movie. And we set out on one of the great journeys of my, you know, private life. I mean, I, I just, I, it was a really special process to getting that movie made. Um, and it was a beautiful script. Hank Steinberg did a hell of a job with a big assist from Billy and, Frankly, me, we sat in hotel rooms as as we'd go over each scene and Billy would act like Mickey and start being the voice of Mickey. Um, and then, of course, shooting it was surreal uh, to see all those guys in pinstripes at Tiger Stadium at the time uh, for two weeks and bring, you know, Yogi Berra in to watch. So, you know, and one other 
story I'll give you is fast forward also to Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer, two of my heroes growing up. We'd made a docu with them that you pointed out about the 1962 U.S. Open, which was Jack's first major. And I had the idea that, wow, wouldn't it be great to bring them back to Oakmont, the scene of the story, together, uh, Jack at at 72 and Arnold was 82, and spend the day with them and shoot them walking the course. And we did that. And so, you know... (laughs) I mean, there were some moments and stories around that that I'll never forget the rest of my life. But to be amongst those giants, uh, to be amongst all the guys I idolized over the years, you know, I spent time with Muhammad Ali. I spent time, a lot of time with Joe Willie Namath. Um, You know, you can't, Willie Mays, who was a huge hero. You can't even imagine what it feels like to not only spend time with these people, but to do shows and, and, and stories about them Uh, watch at screenings when, you know, we're watching down the Jack Nicholas story and patting his thigh when it's over um, and him giving me this head shake of nice job for us. And, you know, how do you, how do you ever replicate those moments? You don't. How do you decide when you're making a documentary, like what stays on the cutting room floor? Because I would imagine Mm -hmm. the closer that you get to these people, sometimes you find out what some of their what's in their dusty corners. So how do you Mm -hmm. decide what dusty corners to leave out and what to put in? Well, I mean, you have to follow the story and at times you have to get into the dusty corners. I mean, I'm thinking of Billie Jean King where, you know, I had to sit with her and talk through when when she, you know, started a relationship with Alana Kloss and and uh, the breakup of her marriage to Larry King uh, and and her coming out as gay in the, in the 70s, which was a very difficult thing to do but important in telling the story. And, you know, you just have to, you have to do it. There's no other way uh, if you're going to stay true to what happened. And, and uh, so at times there are difficult, difficult discussions, but uh, there's nothing you can do about it. Now, you know, if, if the, if the content is uh, unnecessary and it's, you know, then you can, I guess, sweep it under a rug. But but for the most part, you have to stay true to the story and just work with the uh, the subjects, get their trust, and and just go for it. Yeah, and w- I know all of these things are like your your babies. But yeah. which is which is your favorite kid? Oh boy, you know I can't like that. I mean, because no one will ever say that one of their kids is a favorite over another. Um, you know, you just I, there. I can go with a top five or six and okay. give you a list of some that mean the most to me. Um, when it was a game, because that kind of forged the new yeah, that one was really good for us back in 1990, which was really the first time that we put together a documentary that had an art form to it. Uh, and so that one was really important. You know, 
The fact that uh, Do You Believe in Miracles on the 80 hockey team turned into another project for me, the feature film Miracle, that'll always be really important because Miracle has become a signature film, sports film that, you know, gets a ranking of in the top 10 of all time. So that gives me chills. Um, I would also say Dare to Dream, which is the story of the 99 women's soccer team because I became real close to those women and look at them as complete pioneers uh, of the sport uh, and and of women's sports in general because they were the first team ever to be taken seriously among women. Um, So that one I I hold near and dear and actually – I have a Netflix movie that we're we're in the process of making on that same subject. So that one's near and dear. I would also say Magic and Bird, which a lot of people talk about. Uh, that was big for me and us, uh, the making of that film. Um, we knew that was something special. And Ezra Edelman, you know, went on to make his OJ film at ESPN to give you an idea of his pedigree. But I think the mo- the most memories I have are just sitting at all the screenings for most of these docs. You know, we hit more than we missed. And uh, honestly, you know, I just sit there crying my eyes out. And I just, you know, I, I screened even the one we just made, X Screenings from 9-11. And I wrote a note to my staff saying, I don't know if I was crying for the 20th time watching the rough cut turning into a fine cut, turning into the final cut, you know, I'd cry each time. And I don't know if it was because the film was doing it to me and the subject or the fact I was so proud that we as a team had come together and made such a fine documentary. Um, You know, sometimes I think I'm crying because I'm so proud of what the team did in putting together this docu. Uh, and I hope they understand that because I've worked with some of the best in the business, whether it's cinematographers, audio engineers, sound, um, you know, everything, every element. You know, you try to find the best at each position and get the most out of them. It's no different than being the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the end of the oh, day. F- a final thing. It, who's making the Ross Greenberg documentary and are you putting something to together as far as like a compilation of your life's life's work or is that for somebody else to do on you? That's definitely for someone else to do, but you know, it's funny. <laughs> I don't know if you could sell it. I don't know. You know, you, you're, you've been great. Uh, I know you love the work. I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's for someone else to judge whether it's worth a documentary. But it's it's been a hell of a ride, and uh, I'm not done. <laughs> so <laughs> don't, I'll keep, them, I'll keep them coming. Okay. Maybe it'll, okay. maybe it'll be when I'm, you know, long gone. Someone will figure that out. Well, 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 I, I, I may be hitting you up to, to uh, start the process on on that one. You guys, he's Ross Greenberg, former president at HBO sports and the man over at Ross Greenberg productions. He's created so many of the stories that you had and movies and documentaries that you've loved and enjoyed. Ross, thanks for your time. Thanks for being so generous. I appreciate it. And oh man, I'm so excited. Well, thanks, George. Thanks a lot.
So for you guys who are listening on, who are watching on the uh, video stream, you guys need to go back on the podcast, go to Right or Wrong and wherever podcasts are found and go listen to the interview with Ross Greenberg. So, Ralph, what did you think about the interview? I don't know if I've ever heard anybody who loves sports as much as that guy does. Yep. Sports. Like if if playing jacks in the street was a sport and you could make a decent broadcast out of it and make it appeal to the public, he'd have found a way to do it that no one else could. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is always fascinating to listen to somebody who loves what they do, brings a unique perspective to what they do, and maybe felt like born to do it. This man was born at any other time. There wouldn't even been television for him to fulfill. The, yes, his the, destiny. The, Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, he he has done a lot, and I, I recommend anybody who's watching the stream of this go back, listen to this interview, and just hear how these images have been brought into your life over the last couple of decades. Because he gives you a really awesome peek behind the curtain. Oh yeah, it, it is, and the fact that like this is when you know that people are destined to do things. Like he had the vision from the time he was a kid. And where he would visualize himself as the his heroes out on the field and wanting to tell their stories and then went and did it. Dude, I am so excited. I'm supposed to uh, meet up with him, all this stuff. Dude, I fanned out like I it would have been like probably there are a few people I fan out over because, you know, some of my friends are celebrities or are, or, you know, what whatever but he's one of the ones i was just in awe just of of how dope he was and all the amazing things that he's done yeah you interview head coaches media members athletes every single day it's very rare that you call me right after and be like do you got to hear this interview <laughs> very rare. yeah it was dope dude um yeah so hopefully you guys enjoyed it at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bed 365 21 plus only must be present in ohio if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The other day, Monday, it was a special day. It was the Met Gala. And you're probably like, what do Ralph and George care about the Met Gala for? Well, George loves the Met Gala. First thing, love it. So much so that I forgot to tell you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Get a hold of us, 818-293-7547, or shoot us an email, I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. So, Ralph, I love the Met Gala, dude. I look forward to this every single year on Twitter, watching to see what people wear. And I'm very into women's fashion. I used to own a clothing store. I'm like, yeah, it it is absolutely awesome. And I cannot wait for my invite to go to the Met. I'm I'm trying. I'm stalking Anna Wintour right now to because she's asked to approve the guest list. Okay, uh, I do not get excited about the Met Gala for the fashion um, or or anything of that nature. The thing that I always is uh, any opportunity for Twitter to make fun of other human beings. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it's not like, you know, bullying somebody for stuff they can't control. You absolutely can control what you, what images are captured forever. Um at the Met Gala, and also with people being ridiculous, which means that the people who have fun making fun of ridiculous things, are gonna be, they're going to be at a 10. And so it always creates a fun environment. I'm never going to be at a gala of any kind, much less the Met Gala. So I, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll just hurl tomatoes um, from, from, the, from the gallery like everybody else. And, and, okay. and I enjoy it. Okay, so there is a theme every single year. So it's, it's the... It's a fundraiser for the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute. So it is a it is a it's become a big deal. It's it used to be pretty much exclusive to New York people, but now celebrities and entertainers have become a part of it. And that leads us to before we even actually Ralph, I want to show some people that I was really impressed by at at the Met. Okay. And mind you, there is a theme every single year. There's a theme. And this year it was America. It was basically America. So you could wear things that resembled America or fashion in American history and all of that. So first person, the person who made the, the two people who made the most noise were Kendall Jenner and 
Kim Kardashian. Well, the shadow of Kim Kardashian. So when you see these two dresses, so if you guys uh, will put links to it in there or you can just Google or search Kim Kardashian and Kendall Jenner. What's your thought when you see Kendall Jenner's sheer outfit? Because that her sheer dress, like you can literally see every part of her body. And Kim Kardashian, uh, where she is in all black and you can't even see her face. The only thing hanging out is her ponytail. Well, first of all, anything that Kendall Jenner does, as long as she is linked to my guy, Devin Booker, is flawless. <laughs> and we're not rocking the boat there. And as long as her endeavor, her and Devin Booker are good, her and I are good. Uh, props to her, 10 out of 10, 12 out of 10, fantastic. Um, as far as Kim Kardashian, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, so do you know what the, do you know what, uh, so the theme was America. Do you know America. why her theme, What do you know what she's wearing? She looks like she's wearing uh, a full bodysuit, the same ones that the kids in my neighborhood put green ones on and run around the neighborhood and scare people. Like, there's nothing more American than kids acting like idiots, and that's what it reminded me of. No, it's a... Okay, so what's more American than wearing a T-shirt? She's wearing a head-to-toe T-shirt. That's what she said? Yes. Oh, I was going to say, like, much more cynical, just a nod to the fact that, like, hey, uh, to make ourselves relevant in America... We try to be as black as possible. Without yes. Black, which okay. might actually apply to how she's made her money. <laughs> but T-shirt, sure, why not? Okay, now next up, we got a green baby, green daddy with green hair. I love this. I don't know how it goes. I, I guess this is America because we are denying aliens. Or maybe we just found out aliens exist. The most American thing about this is that every single person that saw Frank Ocean at this, carrying a green alien baby with green hair, doing whatever he's doing, was only thinking one thing. How did he get a baby? No. Get your ass back to work, Frank. <laughs> Make an album. Yeah, there's, nothing, there's nothing more American than hard work, and here he is making everybody think about the fact that he met Gala. The man has the best. The uh, arguably, maybe, may, maybe, maybe you could make uh, an argument for Miguel. But the man has the best voice in all of music right now. He could sing the phone book. He could out be doing. He could do commercial jingles, and I would, I, I would stream them all day, every day. He, he could just cover songs. It doesn't even have to be original. But he's out here with green hair and alien baby at the Met Gala. When I need new music, Frank, that's what I need. Yeah, I've given up on uh, since since Agent Orange uh, or Orange, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, I've given up on him making new music. All right. Next one. Oh, my God. This gave me a crush. This gave me a crush. Um, and this was Aisha Curry. Steph, Steph's outfit is dope, too. But Aisha Curry is just she's everything right right now. I must say, I, I don't think it's cool to be crushing on another man's wife, but I'm just appreciating She's she's pretty dope. They look like uh, an old West couple. Steph Curry's jacket looks like a boot design. Yeah. Yeah. But at least they look normal, right? Like they, they look yeah, like normal people. 
They look good, yeah. Now, on to my... You know, wait, 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 leave that up. Can Aisha Curry wear earrings that big and not have Steph be 50 feet away wondering if he could throw something through him? <laughs> be like, be like, yo, yo, stay there, stay, stay there, baby. I got a, I got a piece of paper. I'm gonna shoot it and be like, carry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next thing up, um, J Lo, dude. Oh my God, bro. I, I have had a crush on J Lo since. I mean, are we going on like 15, 20, 20 years? And this is nothing new. Everybody in my life knows that that this thing is real and that, you know, it's one of those things like and the crazy part of it is I've never in my life run into J-Lo, which is probably a good thing because I would I, I, I can't say that I would do all the right things. Um, <laughs> but and also you had Sierra right right there in the lime green and blue dress with the number three on it with the football uh clutch and wearing the super bowl ring could she be repping her dude anymore because that's very americana right she definitely hit the theme and was up at the exact level of corny that everybody expected from them I say, hell yeah, to Russell and, and Sierra and everything they do. Jennifer Lopez looks like uh, Kung Lao. She looks like a sexy Kung Lao. You know, he has the shield that he throws. That, that's, yeah. uh, that's the necklace right there. She got the hat. Dude, she looks like a dope-ass superhero killer assassin from a movie, and I want to watch it. Kung Lao, Mortal Kombat. That's who she okay. is. Okay, sign sign me up. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. 
you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Do we need to cancel? 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 Or is there a justified consequence? Let's find out now. Now, I guess it's on to canceler consequence. One of the canceler consequences, because the canceler consequence was about AOC at the Met. She wore a dress that says tax the rich. And uh, this other guy, I forgot his name, uh, make the rich pay uh, with an anarchy A. And. This sparks controversy because people are like, oh, that's rich. She's at a $30,000 a seat dinner and she has the audacity to to wear a dress that says tax the rich. Dude, AOC makes like $173,000 a year. So she's not rich. She didn't pay for she did not pay $30,000 for a seat at the Met. First thing. Second thing is, what about the dress? Makes me hungry for Chick-fil-A. It does look like a Chick-fil-A bag. Yeah, it looks like a Chick-fil-A sandwich bag. Eat more chicken. That's all I could think of. <laughs> See, but 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 how about the outrage that people are saying? Oh my God, tax the rich! Huh? And, and the crazy part about it is the people who yell about taxing the rich aren't rich. Like that's the like that's the, the the people who have the mo the biggest defense for t- and the most fervor about taxing the rich are people who would not be taxed in that same scenario. I mean, and even you have Warren Buffett who's come out and said, "Yo, this tax situation ain't right. I pay a much lower percentage than my housekeeper." Yeah. Uh, I will say that I get why people are upset. If you want to argue with them about the logic of their upsetness, it's probably not going to go very well. But my initial reaction to this was like, you're really out here at the Met Gala doing over-the-shoulder pictures when we've been in a pandemic for 18 months and all we can think about is how none of you ever get anything done. You never yep. get anything done that's mutually beneficial because everybody is only able to fundraise off of partisanship. So you're going to give all of your opponents the ability to fundraise off of this photo so that you can hang out with some celebrities and have people talk. And no one's talking about the merits of whether or not we should tax people more. Nobody is having any serious conversations about that. The AOC has been painted as the people's champion for people who are on the far left. And those people, they need a champion, just like the people on the far right do. They need somebody serious. And I'm not going to both side this. I'm not going to compare AOC to Matt Gates or anything like that. I think that AOC is very talented at getting attention. But at the end of the day, there's a reason I think that Bernie Sanders appealed to a lot of people who are Democratic socialists. And it's because the guy just looks like he's there to do the work. And yeah. So I think and- I, I, I don't hate people for their uh, some of the reactions were absolutely disingenuous. But I, 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 I had the same initial reaction. I was like. Shouldn't you be some same as Frank Ocean? Shouldn't you be somewhere doing something else? 
<laughs> no, you are. See, so I the only reason why I resent that <laughs> remark is because that they that's stuff that they would say to football players. They'd be like, oh, well, you know, uh, you shouldn't be. Well, oh, oh, why are you why are you out here hanging out? Shouldn't you be studying film or something like bro, it's the off season? Yeah, Is it OK I'm for me you. to go get some something to uh, eat? But I'm with you. However, however. The idea that you need to bang pots and pans against the ground to get everybody else's attention is something that I often push back because you're going to lose people in that. You're, you're going to lose people in that process. AOC has a job to do. She's got a lot of people depending on her. And if you want to bring it back to athletes, I think about Colin Ka Kaepernick all the time and the amount of audience that he left on the table by wearing those socks, the socks that he wore. Yeah. Pig socks, right? The amount of audience that was never going to be able to hear him after that. And you can't say, well, my message isn't for them. Your message is for everybody because you're trying to move society forward. So when you come out and you try to do something lazily through fashion that you could do through your actions, that you could do through your speech, I don't necessarily think that you're doing something for the greater good. And maybe history remembers AOC and her Chick-fil-A dress as some giant moment of bravery, but I'm not going to. <laughs> and I, so I get, but I do get it. I do get you bristling back against it because of the whole, just the stick to sports thing and people can only be one thing. And I will say that in, in, in the actual case of Frank Ocean, I absolutely mean that shit. Go get to work on some new, <laughs> right? You're, you're, you are losing us. He gets oh. kill me. I just think he's the most talented guy in the world. And one album every five years is, is, is driving me insane. Yeah. And okay. So like, I think that you made the best point about it is that wearing the dress did not start a conversation about how taxes should be levied or not or anything like like that. And that should have been the goal. Right. Or maybe that was I mean, was that her goal? I don't know. All people are going to see is that it looked like she was having fun with a bunch of celebrities at the Met Gala. And see, there's a lot of people out there who aren't about taxing the rich. They want to eat the rich. And so if they see, see you as cozying up to them, they're not going to listen to you. Anymore. See, that doesn't mean that they have a good point. That doesn't mean that they're right and have a good point. But you ha if you want your message to resonate, you, you have to find a way to strike a balance between gaining people's attention and also holding people's trust. Dude, You're I am. trust by being at the Met Gala in a dress that says eat the rich. Dude, I am over. I am absolutely over politicians just kind of in general. Like, because it feels like the point that you made is true that the majority of them aren't there to do the work unless it relates to partisanship. And there's no way that you can be doing the right thing by your constituents. If you are, you know, so focused on party, like Everything has to come down to the people like people have to be above party. And the problem is, is that people refuse to put themselves. Oh, well, the, the people they voted for above party. And I promise you, if I ever run for office, Ralph, which I don't think I ever would. I, my platform would be so fervently like like just just 
mainstream dismissive. Been like, listen, I do not care about these Democrats. I do not care about these Republicans. If you want to vote for somebody who's going to do the best thing for you and isn't worried about reelection, is not worried about fundraising and this and that, then you come over here and holler at me. That 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 would be my platform. I would be like, okay, I am I am pro-life. However, I believe in a woman's right to choose. That that if I'm gonna be making decisions about women's bodies, I'm gonna have some input from from women. If I'm gonna be making decisions about men's bodies, I'm gonna have input from from men. If I'm gonna be making policies on uh on uh LBGTQ issues or issues for black people, white people. Uh, Latinx people. I'm going to have them part of the conversation like that. That would be my platform. And that's what I want. Somebody I would. I promise you, I would go on the road campaigning for somebody who did that. Yeah, it's just it's hard to get people's attention right out of the gate unless you're willing to do some stuff like AOC just did. And so that's the rock and the hard place we're in in America is how do you actually, how do you actually gain that initial bit of attention to get a little bit of money behind you to put you in front of as much people as possible without selling out along the way. See, see, I I want the people, see, I want the people on the far left mad at me. I want the people on the far right mad at me. And I'm going to capture that 60% of people in, in the middle or that 80% of people in, in the middle that actually are like, yo, this dude is radical, but (laughs) <laughs> he, he ain't with the he ain't with the shit so i'm all about i mean i'm a, I'm, I'm all about you guys can fight over the stuff you want to fight about i'm going to be the most boring politician in the history of the world i want to make sure that your road doesn't crumble when you're driving from one state to another because you like one state's policies more than another one like the boring stuff about running a state running a government running um running your town is what made me a conservative in the first place. Not because I agreed with all conservative politics, but because I am from a place where that's just what a conservative is. Somebody who makes sure that there's enough money in the coffers to pay for the 4th of July parade and fix all the potholes. The, the role of government keeps expanding as we have more and more issues um, amongst us. And I think you have to have the faith that some people are going to be able to figure this out that some states are going to uh, to do what they feel is right for them to make them a, a, a hub for conservatism. Some states are going to do um, what they think is right for them to, to be an, uh, a hub of urban liberalism. But as a federal politician, your job is to make sure that people are safe and that they can move about the, the, the country um, with, using their tax dollars to do so and making sure that people have the ability to get medical care when they need it. Yep. That's that's pretty much safe, healthy, and can move around. Like infrastructure, healthcare, military. That's all I'm interested in my, my federal politicians having any say in. The rest of the states can figure this out themselves. And if, if, if we have people who don't, who feel like in Texas is now an oppressive regime based on the laws that they passed, then they should be helped in relocating to, to, to somewhere else, or they should have the ability to organize and rise up and, and, and vote out the government that's in charge and, and institute new rules. I'm a big, big believer in democracy, but I think that a politician, unfortunately, needs to be boring and practical, but to get the attention that they need, 
they have to wear a Chick-fil-A dress to the Met Gala, and I hate it. All right, next thing on Cancel or Consequence, Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, She is a popular musician. She is obviously, you know, she's a good-looking woman. She, you know, she got a lot going for herself, aside from the fact that her dude may be a pedophile. But aside from that, everything's fine. Um, (laughs) And she put out a tweet about the vaccine. She said, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. And then she went on to say that she was going to, that she needed to do more research and information and get more information before getting the vaccine. And I was just like, wait, what? Nicki Minaj. First of all, you're not researching shit. First, first thing. Second thing is like, dude, you're, I just don't, it's frustrating for, for me, the hypocrisy in some of these people's takes and stances. You got Nicki Minaj saying, Oh, I'm not doing that. I need to do more research. You get ass shots. (laughs) Like what, what? You don't ask what's in that. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we literally talking about? You put Botox in you, you do this and that, and all of a sudden, and that, and it's not just her, but all of these people, there's so many people that inject things inside of them or snort things or this or that. And they're like, oh, yo, this vaccine is where I stop. And you're like, you didn't ask what was on the label and any of that other stuff, dude, stop it. it it's the 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 logic is absolute madness and she's being absolutely eviscerated on on social media and by joy uh uh joy reed everybody else is she being canceled or is she receiving consequences she's receiving consequences because she didn't have any goal when she decided to 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 start tweeting she didn't have she didn't go out with any plan in mind because first she was like, hey, if you need the money and your job is telling you that you need to get vaccinated, you should get vaccinated because you need the money. She's like, if I get vaccinated, it's going to be because I have to go out on tour. They wanted people to be va- vaccinated for the Met Gala, but I'm not like I'm not in a position where I'm ready to do that yet. And then she fires off quite possibly the dumbest take in the history of the world. It's not even a take. It's that her cousin's friend's balls are swollen, and so their wedding got called off. She doesn't even know the person's name. She doesn't even know if it's true. Trinidad and Tobago Health Minister Dr. Terrence Dale Singh just held a news conference to let people know that (laughs) no one in the country has reported (laughs) swollen testicles after getting vaccinated. So the thing that she's talking about, an actual government official had to come out (laughs) because George, George, People might die because somebody with 22.6 million followers on Twitter didn't have anything to do for a few minutes, so they decided to tweet some dumb shit. She absolutely deserves all of the heat that's coming her way. The unfortunate thing is that people said that she said not to get vaccinated, which then gave her a platform to say, see, the media is fake news. 
because I never said that. I never said not to get vaccinated. I just said my cousin's friend's balls exploded and the wedding had to be. That's saying don't get vaccinated. That's literally saying. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you you were telling them the men of the world, not just America, that they're that their dick might stop working if they get vaccinated. <laughs> dude. That's dude. the most anti-vax thing that has happened. Right, so bro, far. bro. If that was a potential side effect, there's not a snowball's chance in hell I would ever do it. They could they it could be like you're gonna walk around with your life in danger every single day, but you have a 50% chance of being impotent that that of having ED. Nah, bro, I'm 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 gonna take my chances out in this world. George, how many people, if Nicki Minaj tweeted just this sentence, this sentence alone, she has 22.6 million followers, she has probably a million people that would do whatever she said. How many people do you think would do this if she tweeted just this one sentence? If you never want to have to use deodorant again, eat three rolls of pennies. How many people do you think would eat three rolls of pennies? At least 100,000. Yeah, she's an idiot. You idiot for doing this. <laughs> yes, she did say that getting vaccinated is in your best economic interest, but she also said that her cousin's friend's balls inflated and it cost him his relationship. Yeah. Like 99.9% of people are going to look at that and say, even if this is real, your cousin's friend was cheating and his relationship got called off because he didn't get his gonorrhea treated. Yep. Like exactly. that's 99 but 0.01%, especially the people who were already nervous about the vaccine, are going to either tell their partner not to get vaccinated or they're not going to get vaccinated themselves because they, like, people are having to spend money all over the world right now on a campaign to let men know that the vaccine is not going to make you impotent. And Tucker Carlson decided to be disingenuous and take up the cause. Conservatives all over America, that Greg Kelly, the um, Newsmax host, he's like, I've always been a Nicki Minaj fan. But you couldn't name a single one of her lyrics. He's right. like, I, I, my, some of my people from where I'm from know some of her people. He's going to be like, WAP, music. WAP, I know WAP, I know WAP. <laughs> All right. Is this, no, she, 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 deserves, she deserves an enormous amount of ridicule for being this careless. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, you weren't careless when you wrote an uh, amazing article on unafraidshow.com about Clay Helton. Clay Helton, head coach, well, former head coach of the USC Trojans. Um, you guys go listen to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast. It is, we go into depth on it, wherever podcasts are found. And uh, Ralph wrote a great article today about the candidates that people have put out to um, potentially replace him. Will you read those off? Yes. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with a candidate's name, and I just you you just go ahead and give me a one to ten on on whether you think it actually makes sense for USC to pursue uh, that candidate. Okay. Candidate number one, and obviously there's a huge asterisk here. Dante Williams, current interim head coach. Five. Okay. Mario Cristobal, current Oregon head coach. One. It's a waste of time. All right. Uh, James Franklin, current Penn State head coach. Four. Okay. Actually, Uh, no, I'll I'll give him a five because 
I think James Franklin is a good coach. I don't know if he's a championship caliber coach. Okay. You know, like he'll he'll come out and win, but you know, will will he, you know, like can he recruit on the level and in game manage to where he can beat everybody else in the country? I don't know. Okay. Eric Bieniemy, Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator. Zero, dude. He's built for the NFL. He's not built for college. I'm not gonna like say anything bad about the man because I think he's a fantastic coach and people grow and evolve throughout their their time. He deserves to be a head coach in the NFL, not in college. Joe Brady, current Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator. Four. Okay. Actually, I'll give James Franklin a six, Dante Williams a five, and I'll give Joe Brady a five. Okay. Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck, row the boat. Four. Really? Dude, he had one good season at Minnesota last season didn't go all that well. We we will see how this one goes. All right. All right. Let's just not forget that he went one and 11 his first year at Western Michigan. And in his fourth year, they were 13 and one. Yeah. He's done this more than once. I mean, Um, and and he is 40 years old. He's a young one. Yep. Um, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss head coach, former USC head coach, Lane Kiffin. Nine. Nine. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I feel you, though. Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle. Ten. I don't even know if that man has ever left the state of Ohio. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a futile attempt, but he should be high on the list, though. Ten. Yeah. I think he played in Ohio and has coached 23 years. I don't know if he can, re- I don't know if he can recruit in California, but <laughs> he'll get all the kids up out of Ohio, though. All right, former failed Clemson offensive coordinator turned longtime Saban assistant turned Louisiana Lafayette head coach Billy Napier. Seven. Okay. Uh, Former Washington head coach Chris Peterson. One, it's a waste of time. He's not coming out of retirement. Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer. Fucking zero, dude. Stop <laughs> bringing his name up. Like, it's not happening. Carol Fultz not signing off on it, even if they wanted to. And he wanted to. All right. Uh, 11 top 10 finishes in 18 years. Only 61 years old. Just stepped back into coaching. Dipped his toe in the pool. Former Oklahoma head coach, Bob Stoops. Three. I mean, like, I mean, I guess it's working for Mac Jones. I didn't mean Mac, Mac, Mac Jones, uh, Mac Brown. So I guess old men can work. I, I, I'm not excited about that. I mean, he would have to put a staff together. He's like, it, it would be difficult. All right. One time Mac coach of the year and three time big 12 coach of the year, Matt Campbell, Iowa state head football coach. Seven. Seven, seven-ish. Okay. Alabama co-offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, former Houston Texans. Texans. Oh, my God, dude. He was so bad at the Texans that I can't, like, like fathom him going back to college to go recruit and all of it. That seems like a three to me. Okay. Uh Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott. 
Hmm. I just watched them against Georgia, so I don't know. <laughs> See, but you have to understand, like, that there's a difference between the X's and O's and being the CEO. So I don't know a ton about Tony Elliott, but he's been up for a lot of jobs. He's well regarded. And I, so I give him a seven and a half, eight. He, he should be higher on the list. Pete Carroll disciple, but former UCLA Bruin, Ken Norton Jr., current Seattle Seahawks defensive coordinator. He's a, he's a, he's a pro coach. It's a one. It's a waste of time. Okay, that's it. That's it for my list. It sounds like you're all in on Luke Fickle. Yep. Uh, so you guys go uh, listen to his, uh, well, go read his article over at unafraidshow.com. Make sure that you leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Reister or Wrong. I'm George Reister. Peace out. Catch you guys on Friday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.